And so the starting point for wisdom as it relates to our words, this is very important right now. As we are seeking to grow in wisdom, the starting point of our wisdom as it relates to our speech, our words, our, how we use our tongues, is understanding from the outset that our words are very, very powerful. Our words carry great impact. Our words reveal the reality of what's inside. See, a failure to see this truth that our words are powerful is a failure to see wisdom within our lives. Hi, and welcome back to Live in the Light. Live in the Light believes in the radical transformation through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that so strongly. In fact, that's the passion behind our ministry, that as God's word is open and as you hear verse by verse its truths, that the Spirit of God works through that and then would change your life. That's our hope, that's our prayer, that's our faith in this ministry. And today is no different. We're in the middle of a series entitled The Worth of Wisdom, looking at some great and amazing truths in the book of Proverbs. And with me in studios are our pastor, Robbie Simons. And Robbie, today's message is Wisdom for the Loose Lip. Wisdom for the Loose Lip. Love the title. Yeah, hey, listener, do you have loose lips? Is something is talking something that maybe you're too a little bit too good at? Maybe you struggle with just saying the wrong things at the wrong time. Again, God's Word wants to speak to us about this today. And really, the, the key verse for today, and maybe you're not aware of this, but God's Word says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Did you hear that? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words can be used to bring life into people, and our words can be used to absolutely destroy people. And some of us are in situations of both, and we know, man, the one feels good, and the other one does not feel good at all. How can you be used to breathe life into people as opposed to creating situations of just destruction in people's lives? So much is found in the words we choose and the words that we speak. So may God instruct us today. God, give us wisdom as it pertains to our words and your glory. All right, moving ahead in our series, The Worth of Wisdom. If you find yourself at the end of today's message wanting a copy of it, then please do visit our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's liveinthelight.ca. Or you can phone us up at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. And hey, while you're there, why not drop us a note of encouragement or let us know how God's been working in your life through this ministry. And even if you'd like, you can get an entire copy of the entire series. We'd love to hear from you. All right, well, let's get to today's message, Wisdom for the Loose-Lipped. And may God get the glory. Here now is our teacher, Pastor Robbie. And Jesus said this. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, consider the impact and the truth of that statement. Out of the abundance of of the heart, the mouth speaks. As we think about the truth of what Jesus said in that statement, we understand this and, and, and get ready. Our words reveal our heart. What we speak and how we speak exposes 
uh, who we really are. So our hearts carry an abundance really of, of two different things. They carry an abundance of good things in Christ or evil things in sin. And so in our hearts, there's this abundance of things. And as we speak, our mouths disclose the reality of what's inside us. So this is why then, follow me here, this is why then wisdom and speech are so closely related. More often than not, it's our words that reveal the measure of our wisdom or lack thereof. And so the starting point for wisdom as it relates to our words, this is very important right now. As we are seeking to grow in wisdom, the starting point of our wisdom as it relates to our speech, our words, our, how we use our tongues, is understanding from the outset that our words are very, very powerful. Our words carry great impact. Our words reveal the reality of what's inside. See, a failure to see this truth that our words are powerful is a failure to see wisdom within our lives. In James chapter 3, it tells us that the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. The bit is small, but guides the horse where it goes. It tells us the tongue is like a rudder on a ship. The rudder is so seemingly small in relation to the rest of the size of the ship, yet the rudder decides which direction the ship goes. James 3 tells us that the tongue is like a fire that sets a forest ablaze. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. It only takes a fire to set a forest completely on fire. That is what our tongues are like within our lives. The person who is wise is taking this knowledge and understanding how big a deal this is. So let's just stop long enough here to apply the definition of wisdom as it relates to our tongues, our speech, the power of our words. A couple of weeks ago, we had these definitions we used. Let me put them up again so that we are reminded. Wisdom essentially is this. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom takes the knowledge of God's will, the knowledge of God's word, the knowledge that is we know is right, and it applies it properly. Another definition for wisdom is this. Wisdom is seeing all of life from God's point of view. When you see life from God's point of view, then you understand what God would have for you within your life. So what we've heard already in this message, understand this, the knowledge of what we've learned so far is my words are powerful. My words expose what's really inside of me. That's the knowledge part of this. The wisdom part of this now is taking the knowledge that my words are so powerful, that my words expose the reality of who I am, and wisdom says, well, I want to apply that now for the glory of God. See, a lack of wisdom hears the knowledge but doesn't get the knowledge and does nothing about the knowledge. Wisdom says, that's a big deal. I got to see this happen in my life. I want to go in the direction of God's will for God's glory. If wisdom is working in your life right now, it is already in your mind and your heart saying, man, my words are massive. Man, my, my words matter. If wisdom is happening in your heart and mind right now, you're like, well, my words result in life and death. And you're like, really? Well, the Bible says, yes, really. Your words result in either life or death, you're like, what do you mean? Proverbs 18, verse 21. This is the thesis verse for our message today. We will launch out to other scriptures, but notice what Proverbs says right here. This is a fundamental verse for our lives when it comes to our speech. Ready? 
Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I want that to sit with you for a few moments. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, the tongue will eat its fruits, whether for death or life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So consider this, as we read this verse right now, the tongue is scattering one of two seeds, seeds of death or seeds of life. Tell me, what farmer is not acutely aware of the seeds that he or she is sowing because the seeds that they sow determines everything of the crop that will be harvested? What wisdom-filled believer is not acutely aware of the seeds they are sowing through the words that they use because they understand that the seeds that they sow will determine everything for the harvest that they will reap also in terms of righteousness or unrighteousness. The key to the phrase I just said is what wisdom-filled believer will not be aware, but the believer or the person who's filled with foolishness will not even have a clue as to what's going on. We are trying to be filled with wisdom that we understand my words will go on either a path of life or a path of death. That's a very, very big deal. So here's what we're doing today. We're going to take the two categories that Proverbs 18.21 has just presented to us. There are words of death that come from our life, and there are words of life that come from our lives. We're going to unpack through Proverbs what words of death look like, which is the hard part. It's not necessarily fun, but it's, it's important. It's important to understand the seriousness of how God looks at our words, but then we'll go from the harder part to the good part and the easier part to listen to, the words of life. Words of death, words of life. And that's why today's message is entitled Wisdom for the Loose-Lipped, because we want to grow in what it means to use our words so carefully and wisely as they make such impact. Let's get started then. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let's start off with this, words of death, and we'll go quickly first. I know that sounds awful, but it's important. You know, words of death, who wants to know about that? But, 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 but the Bible wants us to know about this right now. The first category of words of death is this. Lying is an abomination. Lying are words of death because it's an abomination to the Lord. Turn to Proverbs Chapter 6 with me. Proverbs chapter 6, all right? Now promise me you won't get lazy in Scripture this morning, okay? So turn, again, and again, make, apply the peer pressure beside you, please, okay? Proverbs 6, verse 16. If the person isn't, you, you turn it for them, okay? Because we want to put our eyes on God's Word. I remind you, I remind you, if you are a good Bible student, if you are a Christian who's wise, you will not take the pastor's word for it. You want to take God's word for it. So be like a good Berean in Acts. Examine the scriptures to make sure what I'm saying is right. Proverbs 6, verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. Okay, that got my attention right away. That has my attention. Six things the Lord hates. Now here's a literary device. Seven things are abomination to him. It's like Solomon, he's there. Six things the Lord, hey, wait, 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 wait. And just to provide impact, actually it's seven things, seven things that are an abomination to him. Notice, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sorts discord 
among brothers, how much God cares about what happens between us in terms of our words. Now, it's difficult here in this text to overstate the seriousness of what's contained here. Again, God is being very, very clear. In verse 16, seven things that are an abomination to him. Abomination is a word that means the most profound dislike you could articulate. It doesn't come out in the ESV, but it says an abomination to him. To him means to his soul, which is a phrase to express the innermost being of God. So what this is telling us here, it brings out more. God hates these things from the deepest part of his being. Again, I I hope this has our attention. But here's what I want you to see. There are seven things listed. Notice that three of them deal specifically with our words, our speech, or the use of our tongue. A a lying tongue is listed. A false witness who breathes out lies is listed. And one who sorts discord among brothers by the speech that he or she uses. From the deepest part of God's being, God hates these things. In fact, they are an abomination to him. Lying from our lives are words of death. Lying will never, ever work out for us. Just in case we're not certain of how God feels about this, turn to Proverbs chapter 12 now. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. Listen to the pages turning. That's music to my ears and to the Lord's as well. So great. Keep it up, love. Okay, we've got a lot of passages to turn to today. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, all right? Proverbs 12, verse 22. 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Is that clear? It's pretty clear in my Bible. But those who act faithfully are his delight. One of the things I want you to see through Scripture today as we go through it and in the book of Proverbs, notice the contrast in so many of the verses, the contrast of good and evil or wickedness or those who are righteous or those who are unrighteous again or those who pursue good or hate versus love. There's so much contrast going on. I'll come to that later on in the message, but I want you to see that what's constantly being set up is this battle between hate, love, good, evil, death, life. We've already seen in the text. Wickedness and righteousness is there for a reason. We're going to end the message with that. I just want you to notice that. But the Lord is making his point here. He absolutely treasures truth. The Lord treasures truth coming from our lips. Why? Because deceit is so destructive. Two verses back, Proverbs 12, verse 20. Just two verses back. Proverbs 12, 20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. Let it sit with you. Deceit, lying, dishonesty is in the heart. See, this is where it becomes a big deal. It's when the heart is coming up with deceit. The the heart is showing itself to be evil. When lying comes from our lives, the heart is, is showing to be in need of change. Deceased in the heart of those who devise evil. But those who plan peace have joy. Now, what we're hearing so far in God's word is an opportunity for wisdom. And what wisdom sees and hears from the text so far is this, with lying, I will never win. Lying is never an option that is to be taken for the benefit of myself or others, no matter how I convince myself it might be. You, like me, are tempted and have been tempted on a frequent basis to lie, 
tempted to fudge the truth, tempted to tell half-truths, tempted to tell white lies. Hear this, loved ones, they're all lies. They're all lies in the temptation of getting us to lies. Of course, Satan himself being the father of lies. This is the moment where you must convince yourself, I cannot win when I lie. You must convince yourself. A principle that I have used throughout my life over many years is this, I can never go wrong by doing right. I will never, ever go wrong by doing right. Now, why is that important? Because the moment you're in that situation and someone asks you a question or you have the opportunity to say, and in that you can, you can fudge the truth, you can say just a non-truth, you can flat out lie, in that moment and you feel the pressure, you convince yourself in your mind to tell your heart and go towards God's will. If I lie on any level right now, I will lose. Therefore, by faith, I tell the truth because God honors the truth and God treasures truth and lying is an abomination to the Lord. Parents, this is why any hint of lying from your children's lives must be stomped out as early as possible. Any hint or whiff or smell of any kind as it relates to non-truth, you must get at, and it's exhausting at times, but to get at that with grace and love, but to help them understand that any sense of lying will never go anywhere good. And small habits of lying lead to big habits of lying. And the worst part about lying is when you tell a small lie. If that's not nipped in the bud, then to cover up for the small lie, you've got to create another lie. And then that lie has to be covered up, and then you create a bigger lie. And what was originally just a seed of, of wickedness, but grows and grows, and then it becomes this massive weed that is so ugly. And then if you don't, if you don't stop the process, you have this massive weed hanging over your life, and you are terrified of being found out. And again, we have explained that's one of the worst places you could be. Small lies lead to big lies. And here's what I know right now. And here's what I know right now. There are some of us here right now that if we're honest and we know even as the Lord has been speaking through his word, we are living a lie. There are lies in our lives. For some of us, we have, we have lifestyles that no one seemingly knows about God does. It's a lie. For some of us, we, have, we, we are lying right now to our spouses. For some of us, we're lying to our parents. For some of us, we're lying to our employers. For some of us, we're lying to our friends. For some of us, we're lying to family. For some of us, we flat out, we just have lies in our lives. Listen, I'm telling, I, I plead with you on the authority of God's word. Lying is an abomination to the Lord. You will not win. You will not win. You will not win. Satan's trying to convince you you will, and he wants you to keep covering it up. Listen, the, the day will come, your sin will find you out. You will not win with lying. This is what wisdom does. Wisdom says... You're right, God. You're right. You're right. I have to make this right. I challenge you. I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ today. Make it right today. Do not wait another day. Today, you're, 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 you're afraid. It takes humility. The con but I'm you, if you keep going on this path, that's when the hurt increases, increases, and increases. Get right today before the Lord. You know, I've always been amazed at the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. And to think of what was their sin. Their, their sin was lying to the Lord first. And then, of course, lying to Peter. Peter gave him a chance to come clean. Ananias didn't. He drops dead. Sapphira comes in. Chance for her to come clean. She does not. She drops dead. Now, the story in essence of Sapphira is sobering in itself. But the, the part that's always amazed me is it says in both cases, young men came to the door, picked up the corpse of Ananias, and carried 
him out. And then later on, Sapphira, same thing. Young men came, Simeon, came to the door, picked up the corpse of Sapphira, and they are walking away and carrying her body to bury her, whatever. Tell me, what, what are they thinking in that moment? What is the single greatest lesson that they are learning from that moment in Scripture? It's this. God cares that we speak the truth. And you tell, you tell me for the rest of their lives, to their children and grandchildren and whatever it is, that they will be telling the story of how careful we must be to understand that God takes so seriously, especially within his church, the integrity to say lying is a big deal to our God. Now, now we're gonna end this message with tons of grace. But right now, we're understanding the severity and the significance that lying is an abomination. Here's the second part about words of death. Uh, gossip is an evil disease. Gossip is an evil disease. Turn to Proverbs 16 now, verse 28, okay? We're, we're staying in kind of a, a section of six chapters here, so it's, it's really easy to flip back and forth between a couple of pages, all right? So don't let me down, don't let me down, all right? All right, Proverbs 16, verse 28 says this. 1628. A dishonest man spreads strife. So there's, there's dishonesty, there's there's, there's lying again. Lying spreads strife. Notice this. And a whisperer, which is another word for gossip, and a whisperer separates close friends. So make note of this. Gossip brings division. Gossip separates brothers and sisters in Christ. Gossip separates friends. Gossip is an evil disease. Look at chapter 18 now, verse 8. 18 verse 8. The words of a whisperer or gossip, this is, this is incredible insight from God's word, are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. So we learned in chapter 16, gossip brings division. We learn in chapter 18, gossip is a disease that enters into the deepest part of of the body. There's nothing quite like gossip to bring separation, disunity, and division within the church. But again, notice chapter 18, verse 8. Notice the wisdom here. How much when we are approached with an opportunity to gossip or receive gossip, someone comes up to you and they have a piece of gossip. They won't label it that way, but they're like, hey, can I share with you something about someone that's really bugging me? And in that moment, you sense in your flesh, this is what the flesh does, the flesh senses, wait, this is a plate, this is a, a piece of spiritual food which is not good, but in our flesh, we are enticed by what we see before us. And this is when we sense there's gossip coming our way, and our eyes widen, and our ears perk up, and our concentration is all of a sudden solely focused, and we want to hear because we sense there are some delicious morsels that we can eat from this plate. That is your flesh. That is your flesh that is, that is almost uh, 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 brutally excited, wickedly excited to receive this meal of death. And we all know what that's like. See, wisdom, wisdom sees that coming. Wisdom understands this, this will not do me well. And what the Bible's telling us, when we eat from that plate that's offered to us of gossip of another individual, not for their help, no matter what the person says, oh God, hey, can I, 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 I'm really concerned about the person. Can I, can I share something about them with you because I want to hopefully help? Yeah, whatever. I mean, and you go into this slander and gossip thing about the person's character. If you eat from that plate, your Bible tells us you are taking these, these morsels that look delicious, but you are, you are poisoning your soul with a spiritual disease. 
No exceptions. So wisdom sees us and says, I don't want that. I don't want that poison in my soul. And you pass. How many churches have been brought down by gossip? Too many. Here's what you do. When you're approached with a plate of gossip, you pass. You say, I don't want to eat that. Hey, listen, if you have a problem with someone within this church, a problem with someone within, you go to that someone. You go to that someone. You don't, you don't, don't take a, a survey of all these other people and find out what they think, if they can agree with you or not. The Bible says go to the person. Um, something we said around here in Harvest for a long time is someone comes up to you and starts to try to gossip and destroy the, uh, a character of another person and they enter into this conversation. You stop them. You rebuke them lovingly. You just say, stop. What you're doing is wrong. And you say, I, I don't have ears for that. I don't have ears to hear what you're about to say to me because this is not going anywhere good either for you or for me. I don't want to eat what you're serving me on that plate. This is what wisdom does. We need a heart of purity to desire what God wants as opposed to what our flesh wants. Here's another important piece of application. Be very, very careful if you're one of these people that you find a lot of people are drawn to you to tell you stuff about other people's lives. If you're someone that seems to provide a listening ear, oh, you're such a good listener, they say. But if you're someone that people are drawn to to communicate their frustration of other people, be very, very careful that you're not demonstrating and giving off the impression that somehow you're an easy person to gossip to. Be very careful about that. And if a bunch of people do come to you and vent about, why is that? Ask yourself, why am I a person that people come up to and seemingly want to tell me things that really have nothing to do with me? You don't want to be that person either because that means that you're eating delicious morsels in the beginning that turn out to be a disease for our souls. At the end of the day, wisdom understands that gossip are words of death. One more in this category before we get to the good stuff. Now there's lying, there's gossip, and then now there's slander. Slander destroys. Loved ones, slander destroys. Slanders are words of death. Turn to Proverbs 11, verse 13. Proverbs 11, verse 13 says this. Eleven thirteen. Thanks for turning. Eleven thirteen. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Notice, I don't have to turn my Bible, but notice chapter 12, verse 18. Chapter 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Here's the point I want you to see. Slander is like taking a knife and cutting it through the character of another person. Slander is never intended to be of someone's help. It is always intended to be for someone's harm. You know the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me? Not true. That's absolutely not true. Sticks and stones are nothing compared to the reality of character assassination, slander that comes into the lives of certain people, and we all know that to be true. Slander is very serious to the Lord. Here are some verses to prove this according to God's word. Proverbs 20 says this about slandering. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, don't hang out with them. I mean, the Bible says you, you are wise to not associate with someone who's known to be a slanderer. It's that big a deal, man. It's not gonna help you. It's not gonna help you. Here's a pretty sobering verse from Psalms, Psalm 101. Whoever slanders his neighbor, secretly I will destroy. 
uh, 1 Timothy 3. This is in the context of speaking to the wives of deacons. Notice it says here, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers. Now, the reason I bring this up here, the word slanderers here in the Greek is the same word used for the devil over 30 times in the New Testament. It means false accuser. False accuser. You think slandering is a big deal to the Lord? Wives cannot be slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in, in all things. Slandering are words of death. As we speak them, we are choosing a path. Again, what we're learning today is as we speak with our tongues, it's moving us in the direction of death or the direction of life. And the choice becomes ours in how we desire to be used. Wow, well, a strong word from God's word today, a message of hope for all of us today. We pray you receive that from the Lord today and your hearts are encouraged by that. And you face this day delighting in the hope that's found in the Lord Jesus. And loved ones, just a reminder, we would love here at Live in the Light, we would love to hear from you if God's been moving in such a strong way, maybe even just today, providing you with that great message of hope. Our phone number is 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-22-L-I-G-H-T. Or you can reach out to us via our website at liveinthelight.ca. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.